It's good to be here this morning. It's good to see everyone. Love the folks here, and it's like getting back to family. I've been all over the place this summer, and it's nice to be back some. <clears throat> this morning, as Yancey said, we are going to be talking about You Need the Church, and I appreciate those songs. They fit very nicely with the sermon this morning. You know, in, in John chapter 17 and verse 20 through 23, which if you'll go ahead and open up and read that with me to, to start out, in John 17, 20 through 23, Jesus was praying and He said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word, that they all may be one, as You, Father, are in Me, and I in You, that they also may be one in Us, that the world may believe that You sent Me, and that the glory which You gave Me, I have given them, that they may be just as we are one, I in them, and You in Me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that You have sent Me, and have loved them as You have loved Me. Now Jesus was praying this prayer that we would be one, that we would have unity. And you know He put a lot of stress on this matter, and it's something that I think a lot of times we overlook as Christians. You know, we think about, okay, what do I need to do for me? And how, what do I need to do for, for getting my soul to salvation? And what do I need to do to reach out to those in the world? But I think a lot of times we overlook what we need to do together as a church for our, for our salvation and, and for, for each other here in this body. And uh, so this morning, what I would like to do is, is call us to a closer unity here as a congregation and talk about what Scripture teaches that unity does for us and, and why we need it and how it's obtained. <clears throat> One of the first things that I wanted to know is right here in this passage, he mentioned that the world may know that you have sent me by their unity. And you think about that and you're kind of like, how is that? And uh, in 1 John... 2 and verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And at first thought, this doesn't really seem to tie in, but you think about it. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, these things are what makes me feel good, what makes me happy, what makes me look good, what I desire, what I want, they're all me, me, me. And these things are just nature to the world. It's common. It's what they see. Now, when you look at those things, all of those things are looking out for number one. They're only about that one person. And so when you have someone or a group of people who are looking out for the common good, they're looking out for each other, that's different. That's going to stand out. It's going to provide a contrast. So you see, in unity, you can't have self-will. You can't have selfishness. It doesn't fit there. Just like in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, they have unity and there's no self selfishness in there. It doesn't fit. And so that's one of the first things we see that unity can do is it provides a contrast between the world and their ways and the church and the way it's supposed to be. It's going to look totally different. It's going to be very obvious when people are looking out for someone besides themselves. But there are a lot of benefits, and I didn't put every benefit to, to unity in the church up here this morning, but I want to look at several that are, are pretty blatant and, and easier for us to latch on and, and look at this morning that benefit you and I as individuals within a unit when we're having unity. 
The first thing is strength. In Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9 through 12, it reads, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will be warm. But how can one be warm alone, though one may be overpowered by another? Two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Have you ever heard the saying, there's strength in numbers? That's what we have here. We have strength in numbers. If someone is faltering, we have people who can help them. If someone is, is uh, being led away, we have someone who can reach out and bring them back. If we have someone who is just being influenced in another direction, there's a lot of influence here in this circle that's going to guide in the right direction. There's a lot of strength in our numbers here with unity. It's something that's really and truly helpful. And uh, there's a lot of comfort in that and a lot of, a lot of help. In Galatians 6 and verse 2, we're told to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You think about that. Sometimes it can be a physical burden. Maybe, maybe I'm down right now and I can't take care of my yard or, or my family. There's help here in this family unit, in this unity. Maybe, uh, maybe I've got something weighing on my mind and it's just been weighing me down and I need to get it off my chest and I need to talk to somebody. There's someone here you can talk to. We have that opportunity. In First Thessalonians 5.11, it says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. We have comfort here. You know, uh, about a month or so back, Laura's grandfather passed away. And uh, we had help come from all over Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, people poured in. It wasn't just immediate family or, or family members. There were people in the church coming by and and saying, what can we do to help? Or even just throwing an arm over your shoulder and saying, hey, I love you. Saying a prayer with us. It was, it was awesome. And that's the kind of support that we have in the church. That's what all this makes me think of in unity when you have that tight-knit group. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to have that kind of help when you need it. It really is. The other thing that I think we don't think about as often is 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And we talked about this a little bit with strength, but I want to think about it a little bit more. You know, we read in Scripture over and over again that we need to have good influences and, and keep away from bad influences. And Psalms 1, you know, starting out, he says, Don't walk in the way of sinners. Don't stand in the congregation of, of the unrighteous. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. And... Uh, Proverbs 22, he said, don't go with an angry man, with a furious man, uh, don't go with him. He said, lest you learn his ways and catch a snare to your soul. Over and over again in the scripture, we have these warnings about the influences on our lives. Now you think about this, probably about 90% of your week is spent at a workplace, at secular events, whether that be with a, a club or at work, or at school, or extracurricular activities like sports and, and, and things like that. You spend a lot of time in the world. And when you have all these people there that are going to be influencing you, whether directly or indirectly, that's a lot of influence that's not pushing you to be a better Christian. It's not pushing you. You see, we're a group that all of us have decided, I need to follow Jesus 
I need to put away these worldly things and walk in a way that Jesus has called me to. But in the world, people aren't sharing that conviction. They're not supporting you to do that. And uh, really a really close uh, synonym to that is Alcoholics Anonymous. You think about that. You have a group of people that they've decided they don't want to live that way anymore. They had a problem and they want to change. But out there in the world, in the in their workplace and stuff, guys want to go home and, and have a drink at the end of the day or go out and hang out afterwards and do that kind of thing. People are not supporting them in that goal. But when they get to their group, those people are there helping them out. Hey, you may have messed up, but you can do it. You can, you can get through this week without it. You'll do better this time. Hey, give me a call if you're feeling down. You know, I'll help you out. That's really what this is. You know, everywhere we go, we're faced with influences. You think about it, if you put uh, a young man who's trying not to, to have a, a worldly mouth and a group of hard workers that all the time you hear curse words nonstop, it's pretty hard not to incorporate that in your, in your speech. You know, those type of things crop up all the time in the world. And we need a place to go to escape that. A support group to help us to keep from reverting back to worldly ways. And so we need the church. We need that unity to survive. And if you look at any of these things that we just talked about, any of these benefits, something you're going to recognize really quickly is it doesn't work and it doesn't help if you show up here on Sunday morning and you say, hi, good morning, hello, you listen to a sermon, you sing a few songs, you get in your car and you go home. Because if I'm struggling with something and... Uh, I don't really know Yancey. I'm, I'm not going to tell him about it. If something is making me feel bad and it's a little, I'm a little bit ashamed that I'm having a hard time with it, I'm not going to tell Yancey if, if I don't really know him that well. If Brother Matt is feeling down, he's had a rough week and he's just not feeling that good, if I don't know Brother Matt that well, I'm not going to know that he's feeling down because he's going to try to hide it. But if you spend time together, you're here on Sunday, you spend a lot of time talking afterwards, you come back for the second afternoon service. Maybe throughout the week you get together with people in a Bible study. Every once in a while you call them up and say, hey, let's get the family together and let the kids play. Let's get together around the dinner table. We'll play some games. Hey, I've got a project going on in the house. You guys want to come over? It'll be fun. We'll work on it together. When you start getting to act like a family and you start coming together and spending that time together, you get to know one another, and then these benefits come into play. Me and Laura have been married for five years, and I know that's not very long compared to some of you, but I know when Laura is agitated. I know when she's angry. I know when she is happy. I know when she gets all giddy and excited about something, and she knows when I'm worrying about something, but I don't want to talk about it because it will make her worry. (laughs) Because we spend time together. And if we want this unity and the benefits it offers, we need to spend time together. Unity isn't just showing up at the same place at the same time. It's actually uniting. And we need that as Christians to survive. Because we need these benefits. And we need the support to keep from reverting back. And we need it to show the world that we really are different. We need it. Now, how do we obtain that? 
looks like I've been pressing buttons there. <laughs> Excuse me. How do we make that change? How do we uh, start? I don't know. <laughs> How do we start uniting as one? Well, the first thing I want to look at is our example in Christ and in God. In Matthew 26 and verse 38 through 39... Jesus is in the garden. He's speaking to His disciples. He said, Then He said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with Me. He went a little further and fell on His face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as You will. Jesus didn't want to get hung on a cross. I mean, He was sweating drops of blood. No one wants to be taken and beaten and mocked and humiliated and and tortured to the point of death. No one wants that. That is not fun. But here he said, not as I will, but as you will. You go to 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 and it says, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some count slackness. But as long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God the Father had a plan from the very beginning. You remember back when, when Adam and Eve took the fruit, God implemented a plan. And Jesus, even though he didn't want to leave his home in heaven and be tortured on a cross, he gave up a home in heaven. He came down and he served mankind, and he was tortured on that cross. Because He shared the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us because He shares the will of the Father. They're united in that common will. And you break that word will down a little bit and basically, they're talking about their common goal. God wants you and I to be saved. That's His goal for us. He desires that for us. That common goal unites them. You look at any group throughout history, and if there's a tight-knit group that accomplished a lot of things, they will have had a common goal. You need that to be unified. You look at us, and we have a common goal. Romans 5 and verse 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered in the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Sin entered the world, and every one of us has sinned at some point in our lives. And the wages of sin are death, as it says in Romans 6 and 23. You go down a little bit in Romans 5 and 20 through 21. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We all have a common problem, and that is that we are sentenced to spiritual death because we have sin. We all have a common goal, and that is that we want eternal life. We want to live. We want to survive. And the very basic reason that we're all here this morning, and that we all unite, is because we share that common goal. We want to serve Jesus. We want to obey Him so that we can have eternal life. It unites us. But it takes a little bit more than just uniting. You've got to stay together. You, you ever think about a football team? If you, took a, if you took a football team and the line, the offensive line, thought they were doing a run play, and the quarterback was thinking he was going to throw a Hail Mary, and the running back thinks he's going to get a handoff, 
the fullback is going out for a pass and the wide receivers are doing little button hooks, what's going to happen? They're probably going to fumble the ball, but even if they don't, they're not going to get anywhere. (laughs) They're not going to succeed. They don't have a common goal for that play. Now, we as Christians, when we have that common goal, we all need to have the same common goal. And that means you're going to have to give some things up. If you turn to 1 John 2 and 17, it says, And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. If you remember back in the beginning, we read verse 16 that was talking about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. If you have those self-will things, that means you're doing a button hook and someone else is doing a Hail Mary. And uh, besides sports terms, that means that uh, you're trying to get to Denton and someone else is going to Dallas. You're going the opposite directions. You're not moving together. But if we all take up the will of the Father instead of our own self-will, guess what? That means all of us are moving in the same direction. We have a common goal and we're moving in the same direction. We're getting somewhere now. We're succeeding. If you look at 1 John 3 and verse 23 through 24, it tells us what His will is. It says, And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. Now He who keeps His commandments abide in Him, and He in, and He in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Simply put, love His Son and obey Him. You want to do the will of the Father? Do what He asks you to do. It's pretty simple. We read Second Peter 3 and verse 9 earlier, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We talked about that was God's will. We didn't talk about what He asked for us to do in order to make that will happen. He asked for us to repent. That means turn away from your sin. That's not something you do overnight. It's not something that's easy and something that sometimes we'll need each other's help with. Because repentance means to make a change. To turn away from that. It's not just saying, I'm sorry I did it. It's saying, I'm going to try not to do it anymore. And you want to break this sermon down into one verse? Here it is. Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. We need to unite. That's what Jesus taught us. He prayed for us that we would unite. And we, we talked about what uniting does for us. But if you want to unite, what you need to do is deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. When you do that, you'll have the same will that everyone else who's doing that has. We'll all be heading straight towards heaven following Jesus with a common goal in mind, our self-will set aside that leads us off in different directions. We'll be looking pretty good. An overview or summing it up, we need unity in the church. We need it. Unity gives us contrast to the world. It gives us strength and support and comfort. And we need it to survive so that we won't revert back to the, the worldly ways that we started out with. And unite, you're going to have to give up your self-will and take up the will of the Father. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. If we do these things, as a unit, we're going to be moving towards heaven. We're going to be tight-knit. We're going to share all the benefits that 
God has blessed us with in the church. And we're going to obtain our goal. So this morning, if you feel like maybe you've had some self-will and it's taken you apart from the group, or you haven't been making yourself a part of the group, maybe you haven't taken up the will of the Father and you've got some sin issues in your life that you'd like some help with, we want you to be a part of the group. We want to be that tight family and we want to help you. Or if you're not a Christian, if you haven't obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and and became a part of this family and a part of this group, and you haven't repented to take up the will of the Father, we'd like to help you with that as well. We want you to join us. We want you to succeed in our goal of surviving. We want to help. Come forward as we sing this invitation song if you be a Vita class.